Whether you're working with a personal project or working for a business as a designer, there's more than 60% chance that you have probably come across our guest's work, especially if you frequent websites such as Pexels and Canva. Hi, neighbor. Welcome to the Progress Neighborhood Podcast. And in this episode, I'll be having Wendy Way of Pexels and Canva. Hey. Oh. Hi, Wendy. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, well, technically the storm is a bit drastic here in the Philippines, right? Oh, no. Yeah. But, is it just like uh, a lot of, is it well, just like a lot of rain? No, it's a, it's a super typhoon, if I'm oh, not mistaken. No. Yeah. Oh, and, you're safe. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm currently in Manila. So it's technically safe, but then um, I really hope uh, we get to finish this guesting before, um, uh, before you know the connection gets unstable. I yeah. Oh yeah. So how are you, Wendy? Thanks for connecting on LinkedIn, by the way. Oh no problem. Yeah, I thought that was easier to yeah. use than. Um... The other platform, I only just started and I didn't really know how it worked. So this Mm -hmm. is actually my uh, first podcast from there. So I'm really Mm -hmm. excited. (laughs) Well, what what brought you to Matchmaker FM? So um, I don't know if you've heard of Pexels. Um, Yeah. I I, I, I use, uh, as a a, um, multi-platform producer, I use Pexels a lot of time when creating mock-ups and... Awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. It's always nice when people already know what Pexels is, so I don't want to do the whole explanation, but um, I've been working for Pexels for the past, I want to say like two and a half years. And um, for me, I'm a music photographer and I never went to school for it. It was just something I had a hobby for and learned on my own. And a lot of it I learned from listening to podcasts. So I started a Pexels podcast a little over a year ago and um, it was very slow at the beginning. Like uh, it was like one episode every few months. And then the last couple of months I was like, okay, I really need to um, actually do this and make it more consistent in order for it to grow. So um, I've been joining a lot of Facebook groups and uh, matchmaker to just like find guests and also like maybe be guests sometime. Mm. So how is it working with Pexels? Um, it's good. So like for me, like it was all like, we're a very small company. We only started around four years ago and we've always been fully remote. So um, all this work from home thing is like uh, pretty usual for us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was a passion project I started before and it was just me. So there wasn't anybody to report to. That's why it was like so slow at first. Um, because I'm their social media manager. So I have like uh, my full-time job, but also like this is something I wanted to do on the side. Um, mm-hmm. And it was nice to be able to do it through Pexel's platform. Um, so I talked to like photographers, um, digital creatives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's good that you had your passion 
in your profession all at one place because uh, this this te- technically a rare feat for people. Cause, Oh, yeah, I'm very lucky. yeah, because um, it's just this year that I have uh, I technically onboarded a job as a digital media head. But then, um, like two years back or three years uh, back, um, I was I was working as a um, WordPress developer for a fintech company. So that's Mm. Oh, what, really? that's where I, I use Pexels a lot when, when I'm presenting my new designs, web designs and all. I use Pexels for draft images and all. Mm So, hmm Yeah. Oh, that's great. mm-hmm. but uh, like you as well, uh, I didn't have a degree for it. I just had a passion to, to create media and all. I'm also a video creator and um, more on the, tech producer like um i produce uh the platforms that is being used by digital media uh produce the apps that um being used mostly by media people and then yeah so congrats on landing a job within your passion you're both Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm were, <laughs> oh, were, were in your passion and your your profession all at one place because um, I've been looking for something like that before until now, actually. Well, I'm technically happy where I am right now because um, I'm working as a digital media head for a real estate company wherein Oh, very cool. I do get to create um, some, some videos as well. And um, produce media, digital media, because I feel like um, it's technically my industry. Although I, I, grad, I had a degree of, um, um, I graduated as a foreign affairs uh, under foreign affairs program. So Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a bit, you know, different. <laughs> yeah. 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 We have um like our parent company. I'm not sure if you've heard of Canva. Yeah. Well, Yeah, Canva is Canva is technically, um, a widely used app here in the Philippines. Mhm. Yeah, um they're based in Australia, but we have like a really big team in Manila too. Um Mm. and a lot of the Manila team comes over. Um we only went to we wanted to go to Australia again this year, but unfortunately we couldn't. Um So usually we get together like the whole company once a year um, in Australia and there's some really amazing people on the Manila team and I've always wanted to visit their offices there. Well, well, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I met some Canva people uh, once in a startup because I own, I technically, um, one of the co-founders of, uh, of a media tech startup here in the Philippines. And then uh, we met uh, some people from Canva in a conference, I think last year or Yeah, like early this year, but it's January. And then um, Canva is technically, uh, it's, basic, it's basically the, the go-to app for people who um, doesn't know the technicalities of Photoshop, Mm-hmm. you know. So you have, because uh, I've met a lot of people who are, who are, um, Yeah. 
who has this certain creative inside their head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, was, I was like, uh, they have the idea, they have the, they have the, the concept and all, but then it goes down uh, on the thing that um, would hinder them to produce something. It's mm-hmm. the problem of not knowing how to Photoshop or Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator or something. So uh, Canva comes into the rescue, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even for me, like I know Photoshop, but I always end up going to Canva because it's like just so much quicker. You have mm-hmm. the templates and you can just drag and drop in. It's, yeah. it's much easier than just starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. Well, well, uh, yeah, especially if you're working for a, uh, as a social media manager or something like that, because uh, I think Canva Canva has presets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. so easy. There's like so many different templates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Wendy, uh, you you were you mentioned that you are a music photographer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you start uh, in the field of photography? Um, and did a friend introduce you to photography or? Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. talk us through your your photography journey? Yeah, totally. So um, growing up, I actually just found an old hard drive with all of my old photos the other day. And um, I always thought that I started photography around four years ago when I really took it seriously. But looking back, I realized that all these old pictures, I always had a camera on me when I was little. Mm. Um, I was always some like very creative. My parents put me in piano and art class and all of that when I was growing up, but it was always meant to be a hobby. So growing up in um, a traditional Asian family, I was expected to uh, go to a career or go to a school or uh, study something that would eventually get me a good career when I came out of it. So um, it came down to like business school or um, law school or science of some sort. Um, So I, I really liked engineering in high school but then I realized that I wasn't very good at (laughs) physics or chemistry so I decided to go to business school Um, and growing up in uh, high school I ended up really liking marketing so um, I joined this club called DECA which is basically a case study competition for high school students and I really loved the marketing department where um, you get 10 minutes to do a case study and then you can make these Um, pitches and present them and that was the basis of the competition and I ended up doing pretty good I ended up getting first in the international competition in uh, Tennessee so I thought this is it I'm just gonna go to business school I seems like I'm pretty decent at it and I can probably get a good job after so I ended up getting um, into the University of Toronto for management and international business and it wasn't until after my first year I realized that I really didn't like business school. I was waking up every day and not wanting to go to classes. I was failing calculus and some of my economics classes. So at that point, I was like, is this really for me? Like, I'm first of all, not good at it. (laughs) And second of all, um, I wasn't doing well in it. So it's time to find something else. So during this time when I was like, um, I guess not really feeling business school, not really sure where to go next. I started picking up the camera again. My dad had bought me a, it was a Canon 70D. So it was a pretty good, it wasn't a full frame, but it was a pretty good crop sensor or camera. Mm. And 
I was essentially only using this as a point and shoot before because I had no idea how to use it off manual mode. So I would uh, ask my best friend in university to go across the street to this bar near our school and which I would shoot live karaoke nights. So it was just random people singing in low light conditions. And I thought mm-hmm. there I would ask them and be like, um, am I allowed to take your photo? Um, if you give me permission, um, feel free to give me your email and I'll send it to you after. I did this for a couple of weeks and ended up making a couple of friends and also getting this um, portfolio going mm-hmm. on. And it's really weird because a lot of people go into photography doing portraits or uh, landscapes and starting with kind of the um, easier, not easier, but um, easier to access things, or you can just kind of pick up a camera and go. But for me, um, during that time when I was kind of unsure of what I wanted to do with my life, I um, went from a small city to a big city in Toronto, and I really loved going to concerts. A lot of the bands that I loved would always stop in Toronto, and I would go to these concerts by myself, and it would only be $20, $30, but as a student with no income, that kind of adds up over time. And that's when I thought, um, whoa, like there's these people coming in and going to the front of the stage and they have their cameras with them. Like, I wonder how they got here. They definitely don't have to pay for it. So they either are getting paid for it or they got in there for free. So that's when I really started thinking about music photography and uh, practicing a lot more, shooting random people (laughs) singing and ended up building up pretty dismal portfolio wasn't very good at all but I had um what I needed and started to pitch to any small band that would come to the area and be like I'm a photographer I'll take your photos for free and um, I'll give you to you after if you give me a photo pass um and that started as a hobby and then I moved downtown Toronto for after my first year and started to take it a lot more seriously ended up getting into a publication and um started shooting a lot more uh, bigger concerts. So to this day, I've ended up shooting um, people like Taylor Swift, uh, Billie Eilish, John Mayer, Drake. Nice. Uh, so it's been a really, really cool journey. And yeah. it all started from um, me just wanting to do something and wanting to learn something from scratch. Mm, that That's good. Well, uh, how long have you been doing photography again? Um, when I started really taking it seriously, it was almost... or beginning of 2017 so mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more than three years mm-hmm. okay so you probably know um how the technicalities of um taking photos right by now right yeah so- it was very much trial and error <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it, well it's a process everything is a process yeah. anyway um so uh I'm going to ask you in a photographer's um perspective uh what do you think are the key factors or characteristics of a good photo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, um, I never went to school for photography. The only um, real training I had was I took one elective on um photography at U of T, but it was a very um, academic school. So it wasn't like, here's a camera. This is what ISO means. This is what aperture means. It was like very history based and um, we had to write a lot of essays and not much like going out and taking photos. So a lot of it, um, like I mentioned, had to do with me just trying to figure it out and testing the setting if it doesn't work, uh, doing it something um, in another way. So never really had that formal background, but um, because of that, I think I was able to learn what really felt right for me. Um, so for me, when I shoot concerts, it's, um, very difficult because you only get 15 minutes and you have like anywhere between like five to like 
um, at big festivals up to like 70 people in this small area and you're all shooting the same thing. So um, it was, you all start from nothing Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of like figure out how to make yourself different. So for me, with my photos, I always will try to make sure someone feels something from it. So if it was like a concert, normal people or like the average person would want to take pictures of, um, for example, the artist and their mic singing. But that's probably whatever most people are going to take. So for me, um, whenever I went into a concert or a festival, I would think to um, take pictures of the crowd and people's emotions when they see these artists. So um, the perceiver, the person who's seeing the photo can kind of feel this emotion or finding those moments when the artist is not just at the mic, but when they have a moment where they um, just finished like a very emotional piece or something like that and uh, capturing those moments in between. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- those are good pointers. Well, um, I know I know a lot of, I know some of, um, well, technically, some of my friends are are event photographers and concert photographers as well. But um, I haven't I haven't technically heard them say that they they would rather shoot uh, point their cameras on the audience uh, than the artist or something. Well, that that those are good pointers. So in the end, uh, well, right now I'm technically excited to show them this episode of my podcast okay. <laughs> so uh maybe tech, uh, maybe give them like um uh a new perspective right uh, thank you. yeah and i also think that like rules are meant to be broken so um when i first started um obviously like googling stuff i knew like rule of thirds and like what type of exposure to have but um yeah, like I think rules are meant to be broken, but you, in order to break them, you have to know them very well and know why you're breaking them. So mm-hmm. if you want something like, um, not every photo has to be rule of thirds. Um, you can use that to your advantage, but also you can kind of uh, go the other way. And But in order to do that, I think you have to be very intentional about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's shift a little bit. Um... Uh, you're you're in Canada right now, right? Yes. Okay. Um, how how does uh, Canada or Toronto in general um, deal with the ongoing pandemic like the COVID nineteen outbreak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now we're um, just heading into winter. So um, it literally just started snowing today, <laughs> this morning as I woke up. Uh, so this is when like flu season happens. So um, everyone's being very cautious. It was very bad for us in like March ish. And then it started becoming a little bit better in the summer. The cases went down. But right now it's getting um, a little bit worse. Uh, they call it like the second wave. So cases are going up again. Um so things are shutting down and especially for concerts that's um, not very relevant anymore we don't have any big events um, at all so for creatives and everything it's been um, yeah pretty hard for us Mm -hmm. so uh, how does a creative cope during the pandemic because here here in the Philippines even back home in Dublin um, they they technically uh, most of the creatives uh, basically lost their jobs mm-hmm. um, even even their um, startup companies mm-hmm. creative companies photographers um, graphic designers you know they, they all closed down uh, or 
uh, it's because they got retrenched, they got laid off, or or the company has closed, or and then there's nowhere to go but to look for another employment, another source of income. Because uh, despite the pandemic, we all gotta live, right? So, yeah, exactly. so. Uh, in your area, let's talk about your area. How does a creative cope uh, during the pandemic? And how can one survive and get back up in the creative industry in general? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very hard for a lot of people. And I'm very fortunate that I have um, a job that uh, is in the tech field. So it wasn't very impacted at all um, by the pandemic. So I'm very, very lucky <laughs> that mm-hmm. I even have a job during this time. Um, but on the photography side and on a creative side, it is very hard because we're all working from home. And it's at the beginning of the pandemic, it was um pretty exciting people were uh, getting creative and like taking photos at home and like um like I was watching TikTok hacks and people were getting really creative with the things that they can do on their own but that dies down after a little while and right now I think they call it like COVID fatigue where everyone's just getting tired and like not caring as much anymore so for me what has really helped was uh, finding community online and it's definitely not going to be the same as in person like you're not going to have the same feeling because Humans are meant to be um, around each other. Um, but the best we can do right now to keep everyone safe is to find community wherever you can. So um, for me, that looked like um, a lot of Facebook groups joining mm-hmm. uh, groups that, um, for example, like um, there's a YouTuber that I really like and she has a really strong community Um and she has a Facebook group and it was just all these girls like talking about um, what they're going through and um, how we can help each other. So that's been really helpful. And even photography groups or creative groups, um, I've joined a lot of podcasting groups uh, to be able to find people because you don't, you're not able to network um, in person anymore. Yeah. And I think like social media is meant to be social. And I think over the last um, couple of years, at least in North America, I've seen that um, social media, especially for creatives, has become sort of something of clout. Like you want all the likes, you want all the um, engagement, you want your feed to look perfect. But um, during this pandemic, I think it's stripped away a lot of that um, like facade, maybe. Um, people are becoming a lot more vulnerable and um everyone's going through the same thing. Like no matter if you're the CEO of McDonald's, um, a millionaire, or um, or maybe it's a little bit easier for millionaires, but mm-hmm. um, whether you're a little bit high up or um, you're just starting out, everyone's on the same playing field. So um, yeah, like social media is meant to be social. So use it in that way. I use this opportunity to kind of reach out to people I've looked up to, like asking them um, how they're dealing with certain things and um, just finding community in whatever way you can. Even uh, signing up for podcasting platforms and meeting people like you as well has helped a lot. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Um, even in the startup community, we're having a hard time to, to you know, uh, collaborate with other t- startups because um, most of the feats of a startup is needs um, person-to-person collaboration, mm-hmm. right? So um, as, a, as a startup co-founder, I, I'm technically trying to get the hang of it, uh, but uh, to tell you honestly, it feels a bit awkward for yeah, me to yeah. discuss my platform within um, within Zoom or mm-hmm. within Google Meet or within Skype. 
uh, or somewhere else. All right. I yeah, I'd, yeah. Ra- I'd rather be in a co-working space uh, exactly. with other startups, right? But mm-hmm. all we can do is, you know, to to technically be cautious and take precautions as well for for the better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like video calls are so exciting in the beginning. I remember even the Pexels team, we would do like virtual drinks and um, virtual networking and stuff like that. But yeah. it's definitely not the same as in person and it dies down really quickly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just about doing the best we can with what we can. Like it's obviously not going to be the same as if uh, everything was normal and we can go out and meet people. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. doing our best. Well, actually, um, speaking of... Um, Speaking of uh, certain uh, the, the virtuals, virtual meetings, virtual drinks, right? Um, in a couple of weeks, uh, a popular startup conference here in the Philippines, which is Philippine Startup Week, would um, turn their annual conference into virtual conference. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, co-founders like me are technically excited about this, but then knowing the tech industry uh, and the tech capabilities here in the Philippines with the um, unstable internet connections uh, and all, uh, we're kind of worried if, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, are you familiar? Uh, are you familiar with Murphy's Law? Right. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what can go wrong will definitely yeah. go wrong. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, the area of conferencing, like, um, like for me as well. Like, I was supposed to go to New York for this like pretty big conference, and it was like my first of this kind, um, back in May. But that got canceled, and um, obviously turned into a virtual event. And it is very tiring because you have to stare at a screen, except um, for like. Um, hours at a time rather than like going and like meeting people spontaneously and I think there is huge opportunity here as well like we're kind of in like this weird transition phase where people trying to figure stuff out but um, because of this like like I think Uber and um, all these like big companies and Airbnb they were founded during the 2008 recession so during that time like um, during these times of like um, hardship and things were not very normal and we've we're gotten something that um, has shaken up our status quo there's also great opportunity for people to innovate and um, I'm really excited to see how events will be um, like hopefully uh, um, physical events will come back and be as they are but in the case that we have to do virtual events I'm excited to see what people mm-hmm. end up uh, creating and um, what innovation will come out of this as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh- we were talking about the opportunities that mm-hmm. um, a creative could get within the pandemic, right? Um, in relation to that, I would like to uh, know your point or your top three advice uh, or tips to people who wanted to go from hobbyists to something profitable with their hobbies, especially in the creative industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very lucky in that I um, never had to do photography full time. And I understand that there's some people who um, have to do certain things in order to make ends meet. 
um, they can't take free jobs and um, that's completely understandable. And um, I'm very lucky that I didn't have to be in that position. So for me, um, photography turned into career from a hobby because I didn't really have that pressure to take every job I needed to take um, in order to make ends meet. But for someone who has a side hustle or wanted to turn into something that's more professional, um, there's nothing that substitute practice. So for me, a lot of people have asked, like, how did you um, get, like, I think within the first year, I ended up having my first international music festival in California. Um, and I never really had this goal. The only thing I wanted to do was get better at photography and go to free concerts in the beginning. And um, that was disguised as practice. I never thought of it as practice because it was something I loved to do. At the height of things, I think I was doing three to four concerts. Um, th mm -hmm. These weren't big concerts even. Like we were very small bands. Anything I could get myself into while doing um, my undergrad, while doing a free intern or like an unpaid internship. So it was a lot to handle, but it wasn't like I had to do these concerts. It was because it was my outlet at the time. Like I didn't really like where I was at school. So um, to compromise that, um, I went to concerts and um, did these photos as a way to, as a way to kind of um, alleviate some stress. Um, and over time, that um, compounded and turned into um, or basically practice. Um, so if you want to do something, whether it's design or anything in the creative field or even not in the creative field, you just have to do it. Like, um, you can like Google things all you want. You can Google how to play a violin, but that's not going <laughs> to yeah. make you the best violin player ever. And the same with, um, basically anything else in life. Um, and the second thing I would say is to find role models you look up to and people you want to be like, and then reverse engineer it from there. So for me, the reason why I started a podcast is because. Um, at Pexels is because it's helped me a lot when I first started music photography. Um, there wasn't a blueprint for music photography at the time. It wasn't like you go to this school, you get this job, and then you can tour with like um, Beyonce or something like yeah. that. Um, there wasn't a blueprint at all. So the only way I knew how to do it was um, I would look up, I would have these photographers that I really looked up to, and then I would find any interview that they would do. I would find them on LinkedIn, see um, what kind of positions that they took in order to get them to where they are, um, and listen to podcasts because I might not be able to um, have a coffee chat with them or have a meeting with them, but mm -hmm. these people who do podcasts and um, interview these people they have and it feels like um, they're passing on this knowledge um, that I would have wanted to but didn't have the opportunity to. Um, and the third thing I would say is to invest wisely and that doesn't always have to be money it's investing in yourself in whatever way that it is. So for me before I take any opportunity I think of it as um, a triangle. So um, let's say I get offered to shoot an event. Um, I had to consider three things, um, whether it's going to be paid or whether it's going to lead me to another opportunity or lead me to meet someone that um, would be beneficial, or I would just genuinely have a lot of fun doing it. And in order to take some um, an opportunity, I have to at least check off two of them for it to be um, a wise investment. So for concerts at the time, it was not paid. <laughs> um, but it would lead me to meet some of these um, people that I really looked up to and um, these key people in the industry that would be beneficial for my own career. And also, I just genuinely really had fun doing it. And I would do it um, whether I was paid or not. Um, and because of that, there was less pressure. I knew that um, even though I wasn't get pay getting paid, I was getting um, my investment, my time and um, my energy in another way.
Mm -hmm. Well, those are, um, you nailed it on your third <laughs> um, <laughs> point. Because uh, me, my, I myself was technically doing that, um, this, the same process of, of mm. deciding whether to get a certain opportunity or not. But then I'm that kind of person. That's why um, the tech startup industry worked out for me because mm -hmm. uh, I'm all for, uh, I have this, this mantra of looking at things. And uh, I kept on telling myself when I started um, doing startups or working with startups um, back in 2016, I was like, um, I kept on telling myself that the riskier the opportunity, it's the better or, mm -hmm. you know, bigger opportunity. So uh, if I don't see any risks or on my end on procuring something or, or technically doing something or a certain opportunity doesn't, you know, uh, reflect any risks at all mm -hmm. it's technically easy man. i mean mm -hmm. uh, a certain it's I, I can classify those um opportunities as something uh slightly beneficial but mm -hmm. would technically take most of my time so i i back then i was uh, pretty much hesitant on getting those opportunities. And then later I just realized that uh, every opportunity is something to be uh, taken seriously. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's that quote where it's like, if it's easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. Um, and obviously um, in the creative field or basically any um, career that you want to do um, it's very important that you value yourself and obviously like you don't have to uh, take everything free but it's probably more likely when you're first starting that you have to use that in order to get other opportunities um, but at the same time uh, on the flip side um, it doesn't always have to be money like you have to value yourself obviously and you have to make a living but um, if you can get a benefit in another way that's not monetary, that it could still be as valuable or maybe even more valuable than mm. um, getting paid. Um, one example that I have is um, my second year of getting really serious into photography. I was um, offered to be a, vol like a volunteer photographer on the team of this one pretty big photographer in Toronto that uh, basically shot all the music festivals um, in the area. Um, and he was able to kind of gather a team of people, um, of newer photographers, and ask them to um, shoot for free if they wanted to. And it was three days of like 12 hour days. And it was very, very difficult. And it was really hot, hot outside in the summer. Um, but I took this for free because I looked up this photographer and I knew that um, if I put in the work now, then maybe that would turn into an opportunity for him to see my work ethic and then. Um, maybe hire me for something in the future. Um, that never happened. But um, on the other side, I had this one crowd shot that I took. Um, I timed it very perfectly. Um, it took me like literally half an hour to get in the middle of this crowd. Um, I didn't stand in the front, but actually literally went into the crowd and waited for the fireworks to go off at the last, um, at the last show. And I got this um, photo of everyone kind of putting their hands up and the confetti going up and fireworks. And um, I didn't end up submitting this to the photographer. It was just like a shot that I thought was cool. 
um, the photographer really wanted photos of the artists and everything. Um, so I had this one photo and it was sitting in my hard drive for a long time. And when I first started uploading on Pexels um, before mm-hmm. I even started working with them, um, I was like, oh, I have these like random crowd shots I got from this um, uh, festival that I volunteered for. So let me just put that up on Pexels. And if I hadn't done that, um, I was also wasn't getting paid for this. It was just something I wanted to do. But um, I just put it up there and like never really thought of it. And a few months later, I got an email from a Fortune 500 company saying that they wanted to license that photo exclusively. And at first, I thought it was a scam. I was like, there's no way that this could be <laughs> yeah. real. But um, I ended up taking the call and ended up selling the photo for uh, $3,000 Whoa. US. And it was an exclusive license. And I would have never done got like that was way more than I would have gotten paid, even if I got paid to shoot this festival. So um, obviously, I was this is a very lucky um opportunity that arose but um, I think luck is a combination of um, preparation and kind of being at the right place at the right time so um, the right place at the right time was putting this photo on pexels but it didn't just come out of that it was uh, a lot of practice beforehand and uh, kind of thinking about this opportunity um, and taking that risk like you said um, Mm -hmm. to be like I'm just gonna try this and um, all the practice that I've done kind of accumulated at that moment and made it into this lucky opportunity Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, technically you're right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I wanted to know, Wendy, um, uh, what's your take? Working working with Pexels, working with a lot of creatives, of course. What is your take on... Um, the future of photography and the whole of the creative industry in the coming Mm -hmm. 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so everything's changing really fast. So um, I obviously like uh, have no idea like what it is for sure. But um, being working at Pexels, I work with a lot of imagery and it's kind of the opposite. I don't really, um, I'm not a photographer for them, but I do work with a lot of photographers on the other side. So um, it's nice to be able to see from like kind of taking a step back, not being the photographer myself and seeing what trends there are. Uh, so the one thing I think um, that you can already see right now is um, people become like in terms of imagery, people becoming a lot more genuine. So I would say like 10 years ago, even like 15 in the beginning, early 2000s, photography was, um, it was all like a, the trend was like high fashion. Um, mm-hmm. People wanted studio lights and uh, going to this a fancy place with, um, these fancy cameras and um, artificial lighting and using like cool effects. And now I think um, maybe because of the pandemic, but also people becoming a lot more genuine and um, taking photos of their daily lives and doing that in a creative way. Um, for me, I never learned lighting or any of that. And I've fully sustained myself by uh, doing uh, stuff that's like more natural. And um, maybe that's because I never went to school for it, but I, this is all I know. But um a lot of the artists I work with um, to do press photo shoots and stuff, they just want to like walk around downtown and uh, really show off their personality. And um, yeah, like aside from, um, I guess like photo shoots, even in general, people are becoming um, a lot more like uh, with their models, not becoming full fashion. It's people with no makeup or very minimal makeup and very minimal outfits or um, 
yeah, people just becoming a lot more authentic with uh, their work and who they are. Um, and on the other hand, photography is becoming a lot more democratized. So it's mm -hmm. becoming a lot easier for anybody to pick up um, a camera. Honestly, like a phone camera was be like better than <laughs> most cameras like 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? Um, so anybody can virtually pick up a camera and become a photographer. So there's that low barrier to entry. You don't really need um, a $5,000 camera in order to start. Anybody can start. And because of that, um, I think it's like there's a lot more um, unique trends coming out and people becoming a lot more creative with, with what they do. And it's not just like something that's one sided. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I agree on that, uh, that um, you don't need expensive cameras mm -hmm. right now to, to, you know, be a photographer because um, seeing the update like um, a couple of days uh, ago, uh, me and a co-founder uh, were talking about this new Samsung, you know, Samsung phone, a new Samsung phone that came out. And uh, the phone is technically a bit in the mid-range in terms of price range. Mm -hmm. But then it, it carries a 64 megapixel camera. Mm -hmm. which is technically uh, also in, falls under the mid-range category for yeah. um, the, the uh, leading cameras. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, could, it could technically, knowing, knowing that it's a phone, you can, you, and it has like 64 megapixels with telephoto and optical zoom. I was like, um, you could, that certain phone could also be considered as a mirrorless camera mm -hmm. <laughs> or something. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my I have a Sony camera, I bought it used, so it's a couple of years old, but it only has a 12 megapixel camera. So, mm -hmm. like a lot of these phones, um, if the new iPhone can take like long exposures, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Like yeah. I didn't think a phone would be able to do that or even like um, like portrait mode is basically like changing your aperture, making the background blurrier. So um, it's crazy that like, I don't know, in a few years, maybe you don't even need DSLRs. I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. phones are really taking over and um, like the even, best camera is the one even, you have on you. Even, even filmmaking, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 as far as I remember, um, uh, mobile filmmaking is becoming a trend nowadays mm -hmm. now especially now that um uh most of the public places and spaces uh around the world are technically closed or has this um gathering restrictions wherein mm -hmm. uh it's a it's um it's the main reason of um not being be able to organize a proper shoot yeah. so most independent filmmakers resort to mobile filmmaking with two or three subjects uh mm -hmm. within the story revolving a nice short script and then uploading it online or selling it via zoom or something like that because mm -hmm. i've seen people doing music uh doing film festivals like this mm -hmm. yeah. virtually so yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and like 
um, even a lot of public places, like sometimes like museums and stuff, they don't allow you to like obviously bring a big DSLR or even concert venues. Like they check your bag and make sure you're not bringing anything with a detachable lens. But a lot of the mirrorless cameras now or even your phone can like take really awesome photos. So it's like, it's going to be really hard to regulate that. <laughs> so mm, like, yeah. how do you know if a phone uh, can take really awesome photos or um, how do you know if this like the average person looks at a small compact camera? How do you know it's not a point and shoot versus something that um, is like a Sony, like the new mm-hmm. Sonys that like can basically take raw photos. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Wendy, um, I got everything on my end. Uh, now, okay. before before we go, um, do you have anything to promote? Um, I guess just um, for, for any photographer or um, videographer who's looking to um, build their portfolio and um, be able to like put their work somewhere where it's like not Instagram where it's like all based on likes and everything. Pexels has a really awesome community where you can uh, post your photos and um, be exposed to people like the like fortune 500 companies who come to our website and um, view and download photos. And, um, and if anything, it's a really great way to give back. Like I found that the really, um, the most mean, meaningful thing is like when a small business um, reaches out to me from somewhere in the world and says, wow, I didn't have enough money to um, buy stock photos, but your photo has helped me launch my website. And mm-hmm. um, for anyone who's looking for a really amazing community to give back or even to build their portfolio and get more exposure, um, Pexels is a great place to be. And I encourage anybody to uh, try it out and put their photos on there. Mm-hmm. Well, I would blindly... Um... <laughs> uh promote pexels is uh, well i even i i often uh tell my staff or um in my startup company that uh you don't need to have um you don't need to avail for a, an annual fee over over shutterstock mm-hmm. over photo bucket um you can all, always resort to pexels because mm-hmm. um, as I've said earlier, um, most of my mock-ups are from Pexels, all right? Mm-hmm. So props to your team, props to your bosses at uh, <laughs> Pexels. Hope you have more great features coming uh, coming our way. Um, I'm a proud user of Pexels. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for um, accepting my invitation because um apparently this this is well this is not technically the first time but then uh, i'm what i'm doing right now is technically the first um my one of my firsts uh wherein i i try to onboard people on my podcast because uh i've been either solo podcasting about about the Mm -hmm. creative industry or I'm with my co-founder talking about the tech startup industry. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's it. We'll keep in touch. I hope that, yeah, I I hope that we could, um, we could still have you on board on our, on our future episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the one thing like with podcasting too, I think it's really um, helped me (laughs) during Mm -hmm. this pandemic is being able to talk to new people and Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's like, um, that's what, that's what my friend told me. Uh, You know what, Maggie, you should 
you should um try to onboard people on your podcast like a guest or something because um now that we have this pandemic and we have restrictions mm-hmm. going out uh i think it's a good way for you to collaborate virtually mm-hmm. and then if things work out maybe um if restrictions are lifted already maybe mm-hmm. you can you can use that um those networks that you've um gotten during the pandemic and then make something bigger exactly right? yeah yeah we don't have networking anymore not the spontaneous type but yeah um, yeah but you can still um do what you can and um i think podcasting is a great way to do that especially like to meet new people and learn about them and um, it's really helped me in the last few months with this pandemic it's a lot of work to podcast and it's a lot of work to edit and promote and everything but mm-hmm. um, the genuine conversations has been uh, very mm-hmm. meaningful to me yeah well i hope you had a great day ahead in toronto right yeah thank you so much it's night for you right yes it's night (laughs) for us um and i'll keep in touch to you on linkedin give you updates on um this podcast all right yeah yeah sounds good whenever it comes out um, i'm happy to promote it um anywhere (laughs) i can yes thank you wendy and have a great day yeah have a good night (laughs) yeah bye-bye